As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon. JJB, JAR, back in the studio. Pandemic, rising fees. Can you feel it creeping closer to you? That's the 90s, baby. Sort of. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. For the time being, if you want to support the station and let people know that the station exists, because by and large, if you were to grab somebody walking down the road and shake them, say, ah, CFRU, do you know what that is? They'd look at you like you're a crazy man and you're going to eat a knife, probably. Bunch of acronyms. What's that? It's a bunch of, bunch of acronyms. I heard jackronyms. I was like, jackronyms. <laughs> That's hot a new game. Hot new game. It's my, my failed word game. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, then you should uh, maybe call your local representative. I don't know who that is. If it's your senator, if it's your MP, if it's a Everybody dog call that Mark you worship. McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> call Mark McKinnon. Call, call Councillor Mark McKinnon. <laughs> well, Get on the horn. <laughs> <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the Simpsons episode with uh, when they go to Australia? Yep. And uh, the, because uh, Bart defrauds, uh, not really defrauds, but just racks up a crazy telephone bill, this little boy. And the father's so irritated, he's going to take this all the way to his uh, MP. And he <laughs> leans out the window and he shouts to this farmer. It's like, hey, this is, and then the guy goes, and this is that bloody outrageous. I'm going to talk to the prime minister. Then he goes over and there's this guy just floating in the lake. <laughs> just like, hi, Andy. Oh, <laughs> Bad Australian. Anyway. Uh, you can call the prime minister. Sure, ask Justin Trudeau. It's yeah. this. The, he's got nothing on his mind right now. So. It's gonna be winter in Australia soon. So what does that mean? It's like it's ten degrees, fifteen degrees. Yeah, not that it's especially warm out right now. It's fluctuating for sure. It's hard <clears> to <throat> know what to wear because in the morning it's like uh, you need a sweater, you need long pants. It's tricky. You could just be wearing shorts. It's almost like you need a change in your bag or something. Yeah, I wore a, a coat today and I was thinking, hmm, I don't know about that. And then walking into the studio today and just, woo, I am happy I am wearing a coat because yeah. I, whoever you're listening, maybe if you're in Sault Ste. Marie, maybe if you're in England, maybe if you're in Sweden, <laughs> I don't know what the weather's like there, but... It's not. It's we, a brisk Thursday uh, afternoon. It feels like we skipped <laughs> summer. It just we fast forwarded to September, maybe October yeah. at this point. Does feel a little folly. Uh, Android's Dungeon is a show about books, movies, games, um, the weather. Apparently, not a lot of books lately. No, and although uh, I, I can talk about it. Oh, we had today. the manga we talked about. Yeah, it's, is that a book really? I don't know. It's art, Jack. It's art. It's it's something. It's printed between heavy pieces of cardboard stock and some light paper. Anyway, um, you can listen to us on CFRU.ca or listen to us through your favorite podcasting websites. And uh, you can also hit us up on social media, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Androids Dungeon, uh, 80 Radio, CFRU maybe. I, I always forget. Man. I should just write it down. Oh, man. Joel. It's easy enough to look up because I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I just... I type in Android's dungeon. There it is. Well, there you go. So it means we're we're at least trending. So that yeah. the algorithm is saying like somebody's looking for this. So here you go, <laughs> Joel. What have you been playing recently? Uh, feels like a while ago, but we jumped down the road. We were working on saving the world in Pandemic Legacy yep. Season One. Yep, yep, yep. Which feels like we're way behind the rest of the world. But uh, hey, we're having a good time. Mm -hmm. No one can rush us. You can't tell me what to do. No. And some people say, I've heard people talk about, like, I opened up Pandemic Legacy and I played through it in one weekend. And that's almost to me like having, I don't know, like a, a bag of popcorn that you just, like, not a bag, like a garbage bag full of popcorn. That you just, yeah, just for you. Yeah. It's like a kilo of steak. Did you really enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after a certain point, it just becomes like, you're, you're doing it just for the sake of doing it, but... Yeah, it's a, it's a treat, right? And you got to dole it out nice and gradually. Yeah. 
and sometimes it nearly kills you. Well, we did. What happened to us is that we had two really good runs, and there was some minor rule breaking. But I don't think there was anything that really would have like you look back and say we couldn't have won if we, we would have made it. Because yeah. I think we just played really well, and we had lucky uh, outbreaks where I think we had a, an early one, and then there'd be a mid game one, and then the rest of them were kind of like right flat at the bottom of the deck, which is kind of the way you want <laughs> it to happen. Good shuffling, too. yeah. So uh, the game is can, continues to surprise, continues to evolve in nice ways, and. Uh, I don't think it's worth getting into spoilers because A, you won't remember, and B, I don't want to ruin anything. But every time you open it up, there's a little change. And we'll just say it's August, or I guess it's September now. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember what month we were in. But anyway, it's a good game. If you like, and this is, who was I talking to about Pandemic? <sighs> I can't remember. I was having a conversation, and uh, I was saying, get you should try Pandemic. It was with uh, Evan, and I said, you should try Pandemic Legacy because he was playing uh, Betrayal Legacy, and he said he had a great time with that. Um, which to me sounds shocking because I don't know anyone who A, owns it, or B, said they had a good time with it. But (laughs) I was saying, you should try Pandemic Legacy. And his main thing was he just didn't like Pandemic. So why is he going to try the Legacy version of the game? So Mm -hmm. it it, kind of put me on my toes a little bit because I have never heard anyone say I don't like Pandemic. It's different enough for sure. But if the core gameplay is still just the Pandemic style of game, which is a really neat system that nobody has quite replicated. I just pulled it up. Uh, Jamie, and <laughs> still second overall. <laughs> season one? Season one is second in strategy, second in thematic, and second overall. What's number one? Uh, Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's, yeah, so Joel is looking up on Board Game Geek, which is the Bible, and uh, a yeah. little sh- shout out to Board Game Geek, too. Like, if you... If you're interested in this hobby whatsoever, it should be your go-to. Yeah. And you should make an account and you can like add stuff to your uh, wish list. And there's even a buy and sell there, which I picked up some stuff. I've grabbed a bunch of games from uh, random people on uh, the Geek before. And the trick is you got to find them in Canada or else you get killed on shipping unless you find really generous deals. But um, it, it's a great little community. And even though I don't really go into the forums as much unless I'm trying to find a rule clarification or reading about strategy or for something in general the the general forums get a little like into a mess and but overall it's a great website it's the ugliest website you've ever seen it's filthy we love it that way ugliest sin (laughs) straight out in 1999 2000 maybe um so anyway we did pandemic legacy season one we're still grinding our way through and joel introduced us a game too uh we were at the um brothers brewery downtown guelph uh, which is a kind of a relatively relatively recent addition to the core. Nice little brewery. And Joel brought out Quicks. And it, it's neat that you brought that out because the, the entire time I'm playing, I'm thinking, like, there is a roll and write for every kind of, like, way you're feeling at that time. Because <laughs> before, as we had mentioned on the show, we played uh, Railroad Inc. and Welcome To. Yep. Um, and then we got to play Quicks. And all three of these, I'd say, are, like, the holy trinity right at the moment of these these roll and rights which are extremely popular games so give us a describe quicks because i i think you've done in the past but let's do one more quick one for us <laughs> quicks a quicks one, one. Yeah. yeah well it's a quicks game and it's useful for uh you know you just want to throw something out of the park bar- work times and then mm-hmm. i just decided it was time to come home and then i was meeting you happened to meet you at the brewery and i thought hey <coughs> Excuse me. I know this guy, Jack. He likes games. <laughs> He's known to be fond of them. I think he can handle Quicks. Um, Quicks is a Quicks roll and write where you're basically rolling uh, four different colored dice and two white dice. Uh, the two white dice that you roll are public, uh, meaning that anybody can take the number and they have a little sheet in front of them and the numbers go from left to right, 12 to 2 for green and blue and yellow and red are 2 to 12, and you're just going to check off that number. Simple. Basic. You can only go right. So once you've checked off the 4 red, you can never do the 3 and the 2. It doesn't exist anymore. You can only go up. Yeah. Have you ever played the game? No, actually. So the game is a little bit similar. It's a co-op where you can only decrease your numbers. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes there's a special pile that only goes up. Mm. Um, in quicks, basically, you're just trying to get more numbers checked than anybody else before the game ends. And the game ends when uh, the conclusion of two numbers uh, occurs. Yeah. And do you remember how to do that? 
It's when you get five checked off in a row or something, or you need four minimum or five minimum? Five, yeah. Five minimum, and then you have to roll a specific number to close it off, which isn't that difficult to do. It's just, I imagine it could be agonizing, though, if it's just not coming up yeah. and you're just waiting there and sweating. 12 or a two, right? Yeah. It was, it, it plays so quickly, and Joel's got a, uh, he's already modded his game in a way that I think it should be out of the box. Yeah, to be I'll modded the rules. Yeah. But he's got, so normally what happened is you just have a bunch of um, disposable paper sheets that you'd hand it to everyone and like, whoop, you use it, done, great. Joel, using his head, went and laminated them, and uh, there's enough copies for four people to play. Five? Four? Seven. Seven! So you've got seven laminated copies of these, and everyone's got their own colored pen. I will have to say, Joel, you need to get some better pens. Oh, those pens had their day. I'm sure they did. They were good a year and a half ago. Well, you Not played the so hell out of this anymore. game with your family, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. So it, it's well-loved, all right? There's nothing wrong. It's like when you open up a game of Telestrations or, uh, I don't know, Captain Sonar. and it's RDC. Like, <laughs> RDC, what's that? Our copy of DC. Oh, our DC. <laughs> yeah, just everything's bent and sprayed. I was, yeah. I was thinking about that because I was really rough um, with my copy of Cyclades and the God Tiles. Yeah. And they're kind of faded from me shuffling them too hard. And but it's like, can you tell what it is from the bottom? No, no. Unless you were being super like yeah. particular, I've never thought to sit down and do that because I think one, that's road once you start on, you never walk back from, and you can never. Oh, God. I don't know if like I've told you before. There's the noon game of Lords of Waterdeep at, DC, at Dave's. Yeah, yeah. In in D, in BC. Um, They've gone through six copies of the game since that's, they started doing that new game. I don't even know don't how. Don't leave it for some reason. <laughs> and there's just quest cards and trade cards. You know, they get worn down. It's nuts to me that the fact. <laughs> anyway, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, noon games. It's it's neat to be able to just sit down and like play something like that in. Uh, in, in just a little lunch hour, a little quick thing. I think yeah. the guys at Board Game Bliss, when I was there, I, I think they would be playing, um, what's the, the the game? It's, it's pretty neat. It's the <laughs> bunch of polyominal shapes of sorts, and you're trying to put them, and you're trying to put as many, you're trying to close off, you're like penning your opponent, but you're trying to expand, so you always have rooms to put them. Is it an abstract strategy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it? Um, um, multicolored pieces, yeah, they're see-through. It's cute. Um, yeah, yeah. There's like a triangle one. Yeah, yeah, I just I keep wanting to say something like Zorp or Zling. <laughs> <laughs> Zing bong ding dong. Anyway, it's, it's like little yeah. games like that, but Let anyway. Let's see if I can find it. So while Joel's doing that. Blockus. Uh, Blockus, that's exactly it. Blockus. That's a great game. Really yeah. good. Infuriating. Really good. We'll do a Blockus special one. Um I've been on a kick lately with um it, it all kind of started semi recently with the uh, there was a re-release of one of my favorite games of all time, which I, I don't know if I've talked about on the show or not, but it was a game that came out, and I think it was in 98 or 97, on the PC called Blood. And it was a uh, first-person shooter using the build engine, and it was kind of in the uh, the vein <laughs> of uh, Duke Nukem 3D and um, and Doom and all these games. Like, the, the FPS was God in the, in the mid to late 90s. Everyone was making those games. Boom, headshot. Boom headshot from uh, FPS Doug. FPS Doug. What game was he? Counter-Strike. Pure ownage. Yeah, pure ownage. Um, so when Blood came out, uh, it was... it was What separated from the pack was that the people who were designing it, Monolith, had this great sense of level design and humor, and they blended this these interactable environments that Duke 3D did so well, of things like you can blow up holes in the side of the wall. Everything has this real handcrafted feel to it, mixed in with this ultra-violent uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek world where you're running around basically as a, a zombie cowboy, uh, murdering everything in your path and uh, trying to get revenge on a cult that killed you back in the day. And the plot, who cares? But you're going through all these worlds, and the first episode, first episode was released as shareware, which is what everyone always had growing up. Is like one episode. You had first episode of Duke 3D, first episode of Doom, yeah, first episode of Blood. So demo anyway, di- demo discs, demo discs, yeah, yeah, and those discs. I think we talked about this some recently too. PC like mag, PC. Oh, of course, PC gamer coming out yeah. and like getting uh, the CDs. Oh, what demos on this? This is awesome. Sometimes you get a full game. That's crazy. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a video, and it's like, please <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. You're right. So anyway, uh, Blood was fantastic, and it's aged like wine. But the problem is that. Unlike Duke 3D and Doom, where the source code's been released and people have been, there's this huge modding community that's kind of arisen around mm. these games. Doom in particular, name it. Somebody has made a mod about Doom. I, I saw there's this great guy to follow on YouTube. Um, I forget the guy, Mr. Icarus, I think. He has a series called Doom Mod Madness, and he goes through and he reviews these mods and. 
Um, without getting off track too much, I saw a video of his the, last night. It's called um, <laughs> A Boy in His Barrel. And the mod is you're the Doom Marine, and it's Portal meets Doom, and you've got this barrel of, of or, uh, purple goo that acts as your health, but you can't drink too much or else you die because you kill your barrel, <laughs> and you're married to this barrel, and you have to move it around solving puzzles while killing monsters, and the monsters are going to target your barrel. <laughs> it, you, I cannot explain what people have done to the world of Doom. If you don't know anything about mods and Doom, it's they've done everything. Barrel I'm not joking. Barrel for anyway. I saw this mod. Uh, I know that people have been modding Resident Evil 2 lately. Mm-hmm. And I saw this mod. I guess there's like a monster in the game that has a really long tongue and like a really gross face. Yeah, the liquor. Yeah, the liquor. And and somebody has put the liquor's face over the main male protagonist. <laughs> have you seen this? No, And no. then there's a scene where him and the female kiss. Yeah. And so just, just looks awful. really gross because the <laughs> tongue is like wrapping around her neck and like bapping on her shoulder. <laughs> well, it's actually, I don't even know how difficult that would have been because the uh, in the Resident Evil 2 sort of side missions you can do, you can unlock different masks okay. and one of which is the liquor mask. So I'm sure they just like swap that, put it in the main game and just looks absurd because it's like <laughs> obviously wasn't designed around that. But yeah. anyway, so Blood gets re-released and um, the issue with it is that Atari and um, basically the company that owned Blood, um, GT Interactive, was purchased by Atari. Mm. And Atari has either is holding on to the source code for Blood or has lost it. (laughs) And there have been a couple projects where one guy, one dedicated person, went and rebuilt the entire game from scratch using uh, a leak build of the or leak code from the alpha. Um, so you have that and you have some other hacky implementations like into the Doom engine, into different styles of things. So recently they put blood out on, um, they called it Fresh Blood and it was supposed to be a modern port to the game and it was Mm -hmm. available on Steam and GOG. And his whole thing was like, the resolutions are here, it's easy mod support, you can customize everything. It's like, finally, this is what we're looking for. It's not a source port, but it's close. Mm. The game was a disaster when it came out because there were things that were so bad with it that it made you wonder, like, did anyone test this? Like, how is this possible for a game this old that nobody was, like, there was no deadline. It's not like we have to ship this for Christmas, we have to get it out before spring. Blood? Blood, it would be, it's almost like 25 years old or something at this point. (laughs) It's crazy. Like there was no reason to have this uh, put rush this out. So the the port, the recent port was a disaster. There's been a patch. It's still busted, but it's not as busted. So that got me going. Oh man, I'm kind of craving this old school shooter stuff. So then I went and started to play the new Doom, Doom 2016, which came out semi recently. Did you ever play that one? No. I mean, I saw somebody play it like the beginning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. This was, it never could have happened because there was, when did Doom 3 come out? Like 2005, 2003? It's, it's a pretty old game. Um, and since then, there has been nothing. Um, so the guys at Bethesda and id made a new Doom game back in 2016. And everyone was sort of excited. And the first time I tried to play it, I, I opened it up. And the first thing I thought of was... Uh, it stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Yeah, it wasn't, I wasn't fond of it. <laughs> Boo! They, so what these old school shooters used to do that was so cool was that you were, there was an actual maze. There was an actual level that was built. And yep. you were supposed to move around it and solve, like get keys, kill different stuff, and move around. The modern design philosophy is that, whoa, that's difficult to do. All this handcrafting and actually building a world that feels unique. Mm, let's build arenas and set pieces. So the entire game felt like, go over here. And then basically the doors lock and monsters show up and you have to kill them all. And the doors unlock and you move on to the next thing. And it's it felt very linear and it felt very like as if somebody was just squeezing you the whole time. It's an interesting concept for like one level. But when you do it forever, yeah. it felt like Vermintide too. It's just like, well, that's it. It's like Left 4 Dead 2 did something go, similar. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, okay... All right, everyone, you got watching this corner, I'm watching this corner, okay, it's fine. So the whole thing about Doom 2, not Doom number 2, but T-O-O, is that it was meant to be fast. It's meant you're, the Doom guy, if you, somebody's broken down st- statistically based on, like, this, the length of, or the size of a weapon and, like, how far he goes, and the Doom guy can run faster than some absurd thing. So the whole <laughs> point is, like, you're, you're moving, like, Sonic. Yeah. This game slows you down, which is dumb. And it builds in this whole thing where it's that monsters kind of feel a little bullet spongy at times too. And it, when something is, it, 
the original Doom was very visceral. Like when you shot something, it, was like, it felt like, wow, that was that felt great. This one kind of feels like, oh, it's dead. Oh, it's dead too. And it just, there's no oomph. The weapons feel bad. Mm. The monsters, the world is so bright and the monsters all blend into it too. And it's all chaotic. And it just, it just felt like such a mess. So I finally finished it after like banging my head against the wall in this game originally. And I just couldn't understand how this game got so much praise. It, it was so lame compared to other stuff but it's just this modern design joel that nobody cares about it's, it's too much work yeah right so <laughs> well the, at the least next they're not like in. uh automatically generating the uh levels yeah kind of like oh skyrim <laughs> <laughs> so it's i don't know the the sequel doom eternal is coming out shortly we'll see what they do but i have a feeling because people uh loved doom 2016 so much it's not going to change Hmm. that that style of it so unfortunately i think it's there's gonna be more of the same um with regard to that but i don't know do you what was, what was the last fps you played counter-strike i played a lot of 1.6 when i was uh on the road how did that feel playing with some bc boys it was good yeah i mean i felt like i was really bad <laughs> like it's been so long that i think i went like one and six the first time i played that's painful and then even worse like going through like you know like i get like i'd be excited if i got a kill it around yeah what <laughs> now what map were you playing dust d dust the dust two or uh two yeah yeah now are you uh, do you prefer the m4 or the ak i'll take uh what's number three the mp5 yeah mp5 was solid yeah just always that one uh if i can't afford it i'll take number four which i think is the m4 yeah can never recall but, but uh, i was counter-terrorist the whole time so yeah so cs is one of these things too that i think nobody's actually accurately recreated like no. the, the whole go thing is it just i tried it the other day not the other day my brother it was around christmas time my brother came over he wanted to play games so i downloaded go again he was playing a little bit and it's like what is this game i don't even recognize what's going on here because it's been so commercialized with uh, well, 1.6 is still <clears throat> free open source and there's still a ton of people playing it's crazy you can just download it yeah it's, from the site now you're gonna get owned unless you find <laughs> a good server with people who are just all yeah having some fun but like server with like 30 plus people you're gonna be fine yeah Anyways, CS 1.6, Blood, <laughs> Doom. It's like, I don't know. I, I genuinely... What's the story with Rage 2? It's uh, it's out. I've got it. I haven't played it yet. It's installed, ready to go. But uh, it was just one of these things where I was looking at it. And I've heard nothing... I've heard middling to positive things. But in general, the thing that scared me was that it's not, it, it's not exciting. It's boring. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. at least fail spectacularly or something, <laughs> right? It's Yeah. It, Especially these big open world games too, where it's like there's nothing worse than a boring open world game because then it just feels way worse than. <laughs> it sounds doing. like Divinity's. Uh, they're having fun with that. Yeah, so we've got two friends. Uh, has Curtis been on the show? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Well, confirmed friend of the show, Mark Hines, is playing Divinity: Original Sin Two. Confirmed with... enemy of the show, Curtis. Enemy. Oh yeah. Well, we'll say Curtis is an enemy of the show, and uh, they're doing multiplayer Divinity, and apparently having a great time Isn't with that it. Cute? So. Yeah, sounds adorable. <laughs> Two people just playing a little RPG together. Helping. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment, and we're going to have a discussion about a couple little things. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM, which is heard was Polynomial C. C! By the one and the only Aphex Twin from the album Aphex Twin Classics. This one looks way better. The The art from this, maybe it was reissued or something. The, the art that I've got on my copy looks straight out of 1992. Uh, it got this awful kind of like bubbly blue background and the font is kind of like, it looks like maybe they mixed up like an aqua album uh, cover and just threw in Aphex Twin. But anyway, fantastic little track for some old school uh, uh, I'll say IDM, intelligent dance music because <laughs> that's a that's a malign <laughs> term these days. Is it? Does he have like whole albums where he just does instrumental or does he It's all instrumental. Cut in vocals sometimes. It's You'll hear the rare vocal but in general it's all instrumental. Nice. No one wants to hear somebody singing. Lordy uh, don't leave me uh, maybe I'll buy myself. I could hear your album like that. That's not bad. That's Moby. Oh, <laughs> Moby. I think uh, what's uh, I don't mind Moby. It's just like he's one of these artists that like I just know what he looks like and that upsets me. <laughs> versus like his actual music. Is, like every single movie is like the emotional part is a Moby song. Yeah, because the Born Born Identity or the Born oh, series so always used that one song I can never remember the name of. Yeah. Uh, usually to end it, right? Um, and then the, the one song that's, uh, that's pretty decent is, uh, God, God's face moving over the water or something along those lines. Yeah. And that's a really South good song Side. too. South Side. Yeah. The one that was always played on the radio with Gwen Stefani. Yeah. And then, um, he's even got a, it's funny cause I'm on a David Lynch kick right now and he's got, um, he's featured on, there was this live album that came out. Uh, it was a tribute to David Lynch and he had a bunch of, um, I, I don't know if Karen O showed up to play a song too, but a bunch of artists that have worked with him in the past and Angelo Badalamenti playing some live versions of his songs. And Moby was there playing one of his songs too that I guess it samples the main riff from uh, Twin Peaks, um, which is the mm. Badalamenti track, but it's yeah. a... Mm, mm. It's a very basic thing, but just like loop constantly and doing very his Moby. dumb Moby stuff. I'm just like, all right, fine. It's, it's okay. It's weird to see him in the news today because I haven't heard from him for ages. Nobody's heard of Moby. <laughs> Arguing with Natalie Portman about Arguing with Natalie what a, like, it, it's It almost seems like a word salad or like a uh, throwing dartboards. I think <laughs> Moby in a fight, Natalie Portman. <laughs> I'm assuming that's how Bu- BuzzFeed gets all their titles. <laughs> Just so you remember South Park when they were making fun of Family Guy with the um, the manatee jokes, where it's like they they grabbing random balls and putting them into oh, a thing. Yeah. It's like <laughs> or like how to make the T-shirts that you see at Old Navy. What it, I haven't like, seen that one. Uh, summer, nineteen twenty-three. <laughs> just a bunch of random like <laughs> yeah. computer. Monkey house. Anyway, uh, coming up soon. When is it exactly, Joel? A big event uh, starts <clears throat> on. Me. July 31st. Gen Con. Gen Con. July 31st. Gen Con, for those who don't know, is maybe, I'll say top three biggest convention for board games in uh, in the world. I don't know if you'd call Origins. North America, I'd say it's number one. North America, sure, why not? And then you've got Essen, which is the, like... Funny thing I've heard is actually Hasbro is trying to create their own competing con, and they're pulling out of Gen Con, so they're not allowing Wizards of the Coast and Magic to be there. That could be a good thing. We, maybe we'll get into that in a second. But to me, the idea of like, you know what? Let these big dogs have their own show. Because if they, they want to take their ball and play, go home with mm. it, like, sure, make. Because here's a little bias here. I don't care about magic and Dungeons <laughs> Dragons. Like, I like them, <gasps> but I don't want. I'm not going to go to a convention and look at. Oh boy, Dungeons and Dragons. There, oh. I said it. Yeah. So good. Leave. <laughs> More room for uh, train games and. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. Does, you're right. It does give a chance for more of an open forum for. Uh, smaller games to get more attention. Yeah. So anyway, like, Joel, go t- describe what's going to go happen. What's going to happen though? Okay. So a big event happened actually. What is it? Uh, the twenty second. So May nineteenth is the day where all the events have been kind of slowly filling up for Gen Con, and then May nineteenth is the day you can sign up. And they have this really weird setup where you can select all the events that you want to go to prior to that. So you can click on them and put them on a wish list. Mm-hmm. And then at exactly noon on May 19th, <laughs> everybody can submit that wish well, list. Even though you've already got it completed, yeah, yeah. you can't submit it and actually click submit until noon. So, Joel, I, I'm just, as soon as you said that, something struck me. The So, <laughs> let's compare. Or, have you ever heard of this before where there's a limited number of, let's say, spots you can go 
and all of a sudden at one time exactly. they open up <laughs> everyone hammers how about a rolling window <laughs> anyway well that's what we need cue it for it's Cute. Oh no! Is this something? Cue. It's kind of like a, everybody can get in a line beforehand. Yeah. And then you know what place you are jumping into it. Well, in in without going too far off track here, we were trying to see this exhibit at the AGO that was really sought after and a very limited. It, it was very specific in your admission to it, and yeah. there was so much, uh, so popular that you'd end up in something like you're saying a queue. But the issue is that I think the queue would trigger at any point during the day, so you you could theoretically have it go. At three in the morning, and unless you woke up and like hit okay uh, yeah. and move forward, then it would just be like, all right, next person, and then just keep going. So, so anyway, uh, we had one guy, Joe. Props to him; he had created a Python script that was just going to continuously ask to get into certain events if they were full, so that if people had locked down, say for example, you mm-hmm. had tried to get into a D and D session that was nine o'clock every day, yeah, and so. You didn't care which day you went. So you signed up for all five. Yeah. You clicked, you got into like three of them, then you picked one, you released the other two. So this one is just refreshing trying to get into the ones. I'm surprised it wouldn't lock you out. Like it would say like <laughs> this, this is kind of suspicious that this guy hits every. Uh... Yeah. I don't know. Apparently Gen Con has, has publicly encouraged it. What? Which is weird, I know, but uh, whatever. It's a, it's a game. <laughs> it's a game within a game. It's a game about a, a convention about games. Hold on a sec. That's, uh, that's an original idea. Do not see <laughs> So anyway, so so basically what runs down is that uh, they have a big Excel sheet. This group of people, there's a group of seven I'm going with. Uh, they have a big Excel sheet where everybody's written in what they wanted. And Joe's put this into the uh, into his um, program. <laughs> you want to call it that? Sure. <laughs> beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> and so I'm signed in with a couple of those things. And we're all together on Discord waiting for the big moment the 12 o'clock and we're all discussing. So we're there for about an hour beforehand. Um, and I hadn't done my homework. I'll be honest. So it's an hour to go and I'm looking at all these things and, Oh, this looks interesting. So I'm just clicking by uh, time slot each day. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, diplomacy. That sounds kind of fun. So I click on that and I add it to my cart. Lords of Waterdeep tournament. Oh, uh, by the way, th- these things cost money too, don't they? Not free. Usually $4. What, what, what an arbitrary amount of money. Yeah, I think it's it goes to the people that run the event. <laughs> okay. So me and Harry were talking about something. We, we'd have a really fun time if we like just did something with a lot of players that was really fast, and we charged $2. And we were just like, you know, like... Uh, just grinding them out. Coup or something. It's yeah. just like, coup tournament. Sign up for $3 per event. And just like, we bam, we're Here, rich. Here's your golden coup card. <laughs> just spray paint on it. <laughs> Anyway, Lords of Waterdeep tournament, obviously a DC tournament. There's a there's a release there. Are you gonna actually get I'm surprised the? Surprised that that costs money, to be honest. <laughs> it's you... Batman Ninja, which was a terrible movie, by the way. Batman um, is this like? Is it a? Was it the anime Batman? DC animated, yeah. It was a couple different artists, which was kind of cool. That was probably the best thing about it. Mm. Is it's it changes art style about three or four times. Okay, could be jarring. If, but the uh... dialogue is. Atrocious. Oh, is it? No, yeah. what a pain. Uh, Dice Tower Live, the giant sick, giant scythe mega game with 95 players. Now, talk about this one because I saw that Joel showed me his phone and uh, when I scrolled past all the pornography and illegal content, yeah. he finally showed me this thing about scythe, which was this huge tournament, but it makes zero sense because scythe is like a six-player game max. It doesn't make any sense. So what is this, Joel? Yeah, well, scythe officially is done. They've said that uh, the Rise of Fenris was their last expansion even though they probably keep making money off of it if they wanted to, yeah. focusing on Wingspan. Uh, so this is fan-made. This is a fan-made Scythe mega game. If you look at the website of the group that's running it, they do a lot of these mega games. And uh, they're basically... Um, it's in the Scythe world, but it's not its not anything related to the board game. Oh, okay. So it's just set in the universe. Exactly. You think about it as... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you, t- it's basically like you take uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and then you kind of change the theme. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> a game about the Cuban, yeah. like a giant game with ninety-five people involved. 
Which is nuts. Like the logistics of just getting people to be quiet yeah. is frightening. And the other thing is, remember I said you could click at noon and try to get these things? Yeah. Zero tickets available. We got our seven thanks to the algorithm with Python. And then we immediately looked one minute after things stopped perpetually loading because the website couldn't handle anything. And it was full. So this and this, how much are the tickets each? Twenty-five dollars. Twenty-five U.S. dollar dues. Yeah. How long is it going to be? It is running from nine a.m. to oh, noon. Early. Wow. No, till one. Okay. So four hours. That's a decent amount of time. Could be good. Would be worthwhile dressing up for if you were into that kind of thing. I know that a lot of people liked it. Dress up for Scythe. <laughs> and by a lot of person. people, I mean Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's girlfriend, Chelsea. Man, that that I am really interested in what this is going to be. Because in my mind, like, growing up, um, we used to, um, there were a bunch of people who worked for a company. I'm not going to name it, uh, in Guelph. And one of their things was, um, it was about team building exercises. The of mafia. Sorts. The mafia, yeah. The, the mob. And the, so every now and then we'd get to, trial or test some of these sort of games or these exercises they're doing and what's cool is it was probably my f- earliest taste to this world of because all they were almost felt like real life board games where you're kind of running around doing this sort of stuff but it was heavy on the obviously the the negotiation or the, the speaking aspect because that's what the team building is supposed to be yeah and one of these games we ended up doing once was um it, it looking back on it remarkably similar to here i stand because <laughs> there was all these different factions and one of, we were the church actually Aww. and there's these things where you'd be trying to get people to vote for you for different things and you're trying to curry favor but you're trying to hold it or like dispense favor as well so you end up in this game where it's like well what are you going to do for me and you're running around and different people are representing different things but that's exactly how it sounded like it was being described to me interesting which is like, I mean, I probably wouldn't have jumped into this if it wasn't the entire group of seven going. Yeah. In fact, this group is very different interests than me. I'll just say that. <laughs> I think me and Harry are really the only people that are actually there for board games. Uh, <laughs> these guys are like, oh, well, there's an interesting LARP here. Oh, but we went to that LARP last time. It wasn't very good. I don't and get it. <laughs> it's either RPGs, LARPs, or um, like seminars about certain things like potions and rpgs how to make them how to manage uh, all right fine <laughs> whatever you like <laughs> yeah i mean they're they're there for a reason i'm glad there's like a variety of uh, yeah. things that are appealing to people in this. absolutely obviously we're there for the board game yeah and when it's but that's the thing about gen con which i think is maybe that that puts me a little on the edge is that there's it's it's not like a it's not pure board game. It's yeah. you've got all this different stuff, and there's also I remember Harry when you were showing us last year. There's the sports side or the collectible side, right? Yeah. And there's the trading cards. And for me, that world is just upper so deck. Ex- <laughs> upper deck. Yeah, that world is just so gigantic and um, completely alien. It's all it's almost frightening to look at it and think yeah. like there's and there's a huge chunk of people that are obsessed with it. And I feel the same way about like when you get the miniatures and RPGs and the rest of that stuff. It's like <sighs> there's something downstairs, Jack, called True Dungeon. Uh, which is basically D and D, but you're in it. You're you're the character basically. You're running through this dungeon, yeah. you're fighting monsters, but you're doing it like I uh, I do this to you, and then they oh you do seventeen damage to me, and that kind of thing, and you get items and yeah. things like that. Ninety dollars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds cool. Look, sounds no, right, hold on. It doesn't sound cool. It sounds neat, <laughs> but it's like ninety dollars for this Joel. Like, I mean, I, 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 there's a market we are not tapping. Here. Yeah. there's a ton of escape rooms. There's a ton of you know, um, all those things that you could imagine. Like, are there escape rooms uh, or vampire too? larps and? It, man, <laughs> you were. Yeah, you're going to have a lot to talk about. Another thing I'm excited about, though, and I think I'm going to have to do a little bit of research because it does say required you have played before, at least once. Yes. Uh, Kingdom Death. Okay. Uh, Kingdom Death is on my list of games I have to play this year. Uh, I know we came up with a list, uh, and we're actually doing pretty well. I know we got Here I Stand In, and uh, definitely uh, Chicago Express was worthwhile. Sekigahara for me, too. Sekigahara, yeah. So we're we're making our way through these. So Kingdom Death for me, and obviously also, um, what is that stupid... 
uh, Richard Garfield deck builder, but it's a sealed deck. I want to say Warframe, but that's uh, Keyforge. Key Forge. Yeah. Uh, is on my list, and there's a bunch of that, too, so I might check that out. Sure. Uh, then there's uh, a D&D, one D&D I'm going to participate in because everybody else is in it. It's called Midgard Necropolis of the Mailed Fist. It sounds like a fake name. <laughs> and apparently the guy that did it last year was incredible, so. Well, there you go. Uh, based off of the merit of the dungeon master and the enthusiasm of the people I'm with, sure, I am going to participate. What's this one cost? Uh, yeah, no, I think it's pretty standard. Uh, Four dollars. Eight bucks. Eight. Whoa, it's premium. Yeah. And th- talk a little bit about the diplomacy game. Yeah. So I signed up for diplomacy. You just, you know, like I said, I was just clicking around at things with an hour to go. And saying, hey, anybody interested in that? Oh, I didn't know there was diplomacy. I was actually, there were a lot of people responded, even these people that don't play games, that wanted to jump in on the diplomacy. But it, in in the end, everybody balked, except for me. Hmm. Um, but experience required expert, and I was wondering why. And apparently this is replacing the United States Diplomacy Tr- Championship. Used to be a standalone event, now hold, hosted at Gen Con. So I've inadvertently, by clicking a button, signed up for the U.S. finals. <laughs> this is gonna be, you love diplomacy, so this is going to be, I think, a really fascinating experience. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get dominated. I've watched a couple of videos of, like, finals uh, in the past, and these people are intense. So, yeah. How's it work? Is it like a chess clock, sort of like negotiations? And uh... Yeah, I think you get 15 minutes per order. You write them down, and then one person reads it all out. Wow, interesting. And the people... The funniest thing was, uh, as the orders are being read out, people are moving pieces, and some of the people that are moving the pieces are clearly very angry <laughs> with the pieces being moved, and they're slamming them down, and then a piece falls off the table, and they have to pick it back up. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. The other thing is, it's at the in the uh, in the middle of the field at uh, the Colt Stadium. Yeah, that's the funniest <laughs> thing. So it's like this: the Gen Con's in Indianapolis, and um, the idea of like having this <laughs> this diplomacy tournament in the middle of a football field is kind of amusing in itself. But yeah, another thing I'm excited for is uh, Board Game Geek, like we talked about. Um, is has a presence there. Obviously, they're the foremost website for the North Amer- for North America for sure. And they're going to have a hot games room, which is uh, Board Game Geek on the left side of their website has a hot list, which right now is actually all those Spiel der Jahr nominees, which look really light, by the way. I don't I don't know if I want to get into it right now because I need to do more research. But I think generally speaking, the, res- the response has been the Knizza game is good. The rest of them, everyone's just kind of looking around being like, mm, so <laughs> what did they pay you for these this n- yeah. nomination? I mean, I'm interested to check out the Steffen Feld game, and I don't think Wingspan doesn't deserve a nomination, but... Uh, well, we have, nobody's played it. That's, <laughs> it's it's true. like, sure, nominate it. It doesn't make a difference, the fact that... Yeah. No. You kind of just knew it was going to get one. I, I don't know. I Like I said, haven't played... So Joel's asked me about Carpe Diem, which is the, the, um, the Feld game, and I haven't played it. You haven't played it. It, no. it got some buzz, but again, it was just like, yeah. But yeah. the Spiel DRs have never been... Like, the Kenner Spiels, maybe, but, like, the Spiel DR, like, Exit 1, Azul 1, like, they're never all that heavy. No. Uh, but the, these look like party games. It, it's getting... Werewords? Well, Werewords is, I, I think, definitely in the... Um, I, I haven't played it, but I, there was some hubbub that came about it, because I unless I'm getting it wrong, Werewords is the game that Betsier Games, um, according to some, got in some issues with somebody who sent in an idea for game and said, okay, now I want to be paid for this, or let's sort out some things. So negotiations failed, and Bezier Games, basically, according to this fellow who was posting on uh, The Geek, um, they said, okay, goodbye, and then they just took the idea and made their own game with it, which turned into Werewords. I'm not saying one side is lying or telling the truth or what, just in case somebody gets itchy on the angry phone calls or emails, although that'd be nice to hear. Um, but there was, Werewords does have a slightly contentious um, origin to it, if I'm not misremembering the game. Mm. But Well, maybe the game itself is good. Yeah, I've heard it's okay. Again, it's, uh, I've heard it's decent, but you get the, the political types kind of trying to say, no, I'm not supporting this, because Bets Your Games ripped off this guy. So it's like, well, all right, whatever. Do you ever watch the Dice Tower? Yeah. Um, I love their... Um, it's I, kind of a conglomeration of 
various vlogs, right? It's like a group of... Well, yeah. That's... They all get together to vote on the Dice Tower Awards. Yeah, so you have the Dice Tower, which is almost like this media company at this point, where yeah. you have like people who, um, from other smaller channels, sometimes they'll make videos on the Dice Tower, mm. and it's like, oh, I thought you had your own thing going on. Or maybe they do, but it's like featuring somebody yeah. from here. But the, the main three guys are obviously Tom Vassell, Z Garcia, and Sam uh, Healy. And um, some people despise Tom Vassell, like absolutely hate him. And I can't figure out why. Like it's one thing to dislike him, but it's another thing to just be like, I, I hate him. Um, I think Z Garcia is my favorite because I find he's generally the most even-handed of the bunch. And I think I like his games that he likes too. He's on par with your taste. Yeah, yeah. it's like he, there's similar line in Tate's and uh, just taste. Just like Rado. Like, well, Rado's <laughs> interesting too. And then you got Sam Healy who's kind of a, a bit of a wild card and he hates Euros, I think. And he <laughs> loves he loves Vikings and he loves area control games. And uh, definitely seems like – they all seem like nice people. But Sam's been – there's video footage of Sam having a meltdown during Twilight Imperium. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, that's awkward. <laughs> Especially when you know you're live too, right? Yeah. So. Well, much like set up and sit down for that's in England and for North America, you can get your box stamped with a dice tower approved. Exactly, and, and that's a good sign. Yeah, and well, generally speaking, it's one of these things like that, it, and it all goes back to how much how much weight does this person's or group's opinion carry with you? So if I see, um, like Sheriff Nottingham's first thing I think of yeah. uh, has the dice tower approved logo on it or something on there. And at the time, it didn't mean anything to me. It was just like, all right, well, somebody liked this, I guess. <laughs> and But I think I've seen, what what have I seen Shut Up and Sit Down the slapped on before? I'm trying to remember. I can't yeah, even can't think of it off the top of the head. Yeah, I've definitely seen it in the store. but You'll see Golden exactly. Geek, though. So you'll oh, see yeah, Board Game sure. Geek. You'll see Spiel de Yar. Nominees and winners of those, yeah. Yeah, which, again, it's, it's slightly insular, but like I think... Seven Wonders is like the entire row. I know, that's it. It's, it's like, like it's awards. Take it easy. <laughs> pick pick a couple. <laughs> but it's, it's one of these things that's kind of like when you see these um, movies that are trying to make themselves look better, and they put all these laurels mm. up top, and then you, then you get a little bit closer to it, and you squint and... It's like official selection of Jack's backyard. It's like, well, yeah, Portland, uh, <laughs> Portland Daily. <laughs> it's like, good for you, but it's not necessarily something to be bragging about. But anyway, um, something I want to talk about briefly yeah. is that um, in case you haven't been up on current events, uh, there's some sort of trade war going on between uh, China. China and United States. And uh, Trump is not playing ball. And there are a lot of these tariffs have already been in place, but some things are increasing now. And bottom line is that there's you're looking at what is going to be 25% tariffs on, I believe, anything made in China coming into uh, United States. Uh, I'm not sure if you can get around that by coming to Canada first, or if it's just like anything leaving is going to be hit with it. But anyway, bottom line is tw- expect 25% um, increase in fees, operational costs, operational costs. And there have been a couple of people in the board gaming world who have been speculating on what this could result in uh, because the hobby is exploding right now and there are more people into it than ever before and there are more games being made than ever before, not only in uh, from publishers like, let's say, uh, Z-Man or, or Asmodee, the big guy, but mm. uh, uh, smaller guys, uh, but also the Kickstarter world. And people who are making these a lot of a lot of the biggest games, like Joel was just saying, Gloomhaven, number one game on Board Game Geek, was a Kickstarter game. Yep, independent game. So all this stuff's made in China for the most part, which is going to result in obviously what you were saying, the operational fees going up. But uh, the discussion is mostly focused on what's going to happen to the industry. And generally speaking, I think what people are saying is that um, Kickstarter people are going to be terrified especially those that are already in the middle of doing their things and getting stuff going, that all of a sudden your costs have just... Because their margins are so small. Right? Your margins, typically, you could be ruined yeah. pretty quickly on this. Um, for the bigger companies, um, generally speaking, I think maybe you'll see a push to either bring things into uh, domestic production or mm-hmm. in Europe or some other places, like get it out of China to try to avoid some of this stuff. Indonesia. Indonesia, sure, why not? Open up some uh, Southern Asian, uh, Southeast Asian factories. Some proxies. Some proxies. Um, and then for the smaller guys, I think, uh, but in general, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be less games yeah. put out there. and uh, Or they're going to get more expensive. Or they're going to get more expensive. And I think it's going to be a mix of both of those things. Um 
But some one of the more interesting takes I heard was that, A, the secondhand market is going to explode because mm. people are going to be more likely to balk at buying something new. <laughs> this is what you've been plotting for. Yeah, this is, I've been, I'm, I'm actually the architect of the trade war <laughs> uh, just to try to increase my board games. Um, but people are going to be more likely to go to a secondhand source to save some money on a game that f- I own plenty of used games. They're perfectly fine. <laughs> they are perfectly fine. This is not like buying a car. Here, no, what I thought when you were saying secondhand market was that you've been stocking up. Oh, waiting to uh, yeah, <laughs> now yeah. you're gonna make your big profit. It on almost your, sounds all like, your grails. Man, that'd be no, no. I'm not doing <laughs> He's that. Never giving them up. Folks. Never. Because that's the thing. It's like I don't know. Speculating on board games seems like a very risky <laughs> yeah. venture, personally. But well, uh, if I had gotten six copies of Gloomhaven, I would have been laughing. Exactly. And something like now, like if you had, if you were flush with wingspan, you could probably be making a bit of money. But yeah. it's again going back to operational costs. How valuable is your time, <laughs> and who are you tricking? Into? Going for like 180 on Amazon. I don't know if anybody's actually buying them. If anyone buys that, please let me know. <laughs> I want to know what end. you look like. <laughs> I need to see your face. Um, which isn't a threat. I just need to know what you look like. I need to actually <laughs> And your see. address. And your address. But, um, Joel, what are your thoughts on possibly this uh, changing environment of, uh, let's say, board games specifically? I think that the, the people speculating on the impact uh, have a point. Like, obviously, China is the producing market right now, and that we have to look at alternatives, sure. I also don't think this is going to last. I think that this tariff war probably is going to blow over pretty quickly i don't i don't see 20 this lasting through 2020 first of all after that election i don't think there's going to be a trade war between china and the united states anymore if there is hey it could happen but i think that this is basically uh trump got elected on protectionist policies uh he he argued that uh trade with the other nations wasn't fair and got elected based off of it. And now he's acting off of it and um, trying to run basically the government like uh, like an aggressively run business. Almost like a train game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it, <clears throat> often it has very good short-term results with long-term damage. And I think probably that's what we'll see. And um, I don't know. It depends on your global economic uh, outlook. Well, let, let's keep it, let's narrow it down. <laughs> like, what is say, let's say for you, if, um, let's, Wingspan is out right now and you're like, oh, I'd love to pick up a copy of Wingspan. Yeah. All of a sudden, it goes from costing $50 to, um, I'm just going to throw a number out randomly, but it costs $75. Ooh. Does that, does that give you second, like, does that give you second thought to purchasing this game? I think every time I play a game mentally in my head, I think of what I would pay for it. Mm-hmm. And certain games, if they're good enough, they blow your mind and you'll pay anything. Yeah. Like Gloomhaven or uh, or Scythe. Yeah. Uh, certain games, you know, like, for example, uh, Las Vegas. I mean, we bought it, but if I were to pay $50 for it right now, I'd definitely have some second thoughts. That'd be rough, eh? Well, that's something else somebody else... Or some. That's something else someone else mentioned online is the fact that maybe you're going to see decrease in production uh, quality as well because yeah. in order to keep costs and keep the price manageable, you'll ask not everything has to look like corners. Maybe Not even necessarily cutting corners, but it's like maybe the chrome in some of these games is going to be yeah. reduced to keep things more in line because the production values have gone crazy. I linked you to this Kickstarter for... Uh, the reprint of Cleopatra, Society of Architects, and it's insane. Like the, the game like is sometimes exploding. The components are the selling point. But that's exactly it. So that's what, we're in this awkward position where it's almost like I've said this before, but similar to video games and that graphics have become like the sort of the arms race. And if you don't have good graphics, people look at your game and go, "Ugh, I'm not playing that." But you're like, "No, no, no, it's fantastic." <laughs> now you're at this point where it's like. We don't care as much about what a game looks like because we tolerate Megasiv, yeah. and it's still which Megasiv looks nice, but don't. But there's a lot of parts of it that are annoying. Still ugly. It's still ugly. Diplomacy and a lot, is ugly. Diplomacy is ugly, but it's it's simple, and the gameplay shines through. Whereas a lot of games have you these Kickstars have exploded because of miniatures and the production quality, yeah. and people are looking firm force first and foremost at the what the board looks like and the cards and the miniatures, and then the gameplay is like, oh, it's area control. Okay, good, fine. Here's my money. Yeah. So maybe you're going to see decrease in that, and I don't know. Well, Kingdom, Kingdom Death was a big... Uh, they just looked at the components, and they thought, okay, we'll try this out. Yeah. 
Dark Souls, a Bloodborne game that's coming out too. Like a lot of these things are all just how shiny is it? Yeah, which obviously doesn't do it for us, but obviously mm-hmm. does it for a lot of people. Yeah, and so. that's that's not meant to be demeaning in any sort. Just I, I don't know. Like certain games, I'm sure could uh, get cheaper components. I don't know if that's going to cut very much. I, I don't think it's going to cut 25 percent of the cost of your game. <laughs> <laughs> Right, if the cost is shipping it from China. Well, speaking of shipping, too. All the development work and everything that went into it, that's where the cost is. The components are probably, I would say, like... Can you imagine what container would have cost? 15% of <laughs> yeah. the cost? Absolutely. Um, in the dying moments of the show, I think the, the one thing that I totally agree with is that I think this is an opportunity to get in love with some games you already have and maybe haven't played as much and you're fond of, but you're just... Maybe I haven't had time, and rather than, and I'm the last person who should be saying this, but rather than picking up a new <laughs> game that's catching your eye, or maybe the issue, like, go and play it again. See yeah. what you like about it. Like, really rekindle your love affairs with some of these games. Yeah, games you've played once or twice, sure. But for everybody listening, how many games do you own that you have never played? Because I have too many at it's, this point. I, uh, too many. But it's, the problem is that... Get it out. It's, I have no idea. A dozen? Two dozen? It's the summer and shrink wrap still. Some of them are still. I, I, use, I usually punch them all out just so that they're they're ready to go. Read just the rules. Read the rules. And I love reading one the good day. rules. And maybe Christmas time, somewhere around there, just getting a nice rule book out and sitting through it. <laughs> sitting by the just, fire with some. Just love it. I remember reading Spirit Island, my entire family sitting around socializing after a big dinner, just after Christmas. I'm just sitting there reading the rules of Spirit I used to do that with uh, video game manuals and stuff, too. I was so excited about them. Oh, boy. <laughs> User guides. User guides, because they used to be well-written. But anyway. Yeah. Android's Dungeon, thank you for listening. See you for you, 93.3 FM. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Facebook Guelph Board Gaming Group. That's what we are. Uh, Guelph Board Gaming Group. Yeah, and uh, drop us a line and shoot us an email or give us a call if you have any questions about which anything you've heard or you want to uh, tell us off because you disagree with uh, something about tariff. I don't wrong. Know. You're wrong, though, right away. Anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.